I hope that uh, you have uh, come prepared to uh, hear from the Lord this morning. It's not what I have to say, but it's about what Jesus Christ has to say uh, to the to us this morning. And we're going to be starting a new series. Uh, the name of this series is Origins, and uh, we're going to be looking at some locations in uh, the land of Israel and what God did with uh, his servants there. How many have ever been to Israel before? Can I see your hands? Okay, a few of you have. I had the opportunity to go to Israel. I think it was in the year 2000 or 2001. And uh, I was only there for a brief period of time, about seven days with some other pastors. And so we didn't get to see a whole lot of Israel. But it was was fascinating coming home and reading about those locations where Jesus walked, where he was with his disciples or, or uh, saints of the Old Testament. And you could, I could visually see uh, what was happening. Having been to those locations, I, I wasn't reading God's word in black and white. I was reading it in living color because I had been there. And so uh, I can't take you there physically this morning, but uh, through these uh, uh, series of messages, I'm going to be showing you some locations and uh, w- the, the impact uh, those locations made on the saints of the Lord. And this morning, we're going to be looking at uh, David. David is on the run from Saul. And... Um, and uh, God has uh, allowed David, God has literally sent uh, David to a barren land. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 23, the last verse of that chapter, David went up from there and lived in the strongholds of Engedi. Now you need to understand a little bit about what Engedi is, or the environment that surrounds Engedi. Uh, it, there's, David has no provisions. David has, uh, no water. And, uh, he is absolutely dependent upon the Lord. If you have your Bible, turn to Psalm chapter 63, verses 1 through 4. David was most likely writing this Psalm while he was on What's that? Uh, yeah, I thought that was the air conditioner. So what a perfect illustration as we talk about Jesus, our living water this morning. Amen? Yeah. Now don't run outside and go experience the rain. I have to do that afterwards. Let's bring up Psalm 63. Do we have that, Steve? David wrote these words while he was on the run from Saul. He says, Oh God. You are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. That's where David is. Let's move on. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory because of your steadfast love is better than life my lips will praise you. 
So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. David finds himself in circumstances where it may appear like God is hiding his face. But God has orchestrated these circumstances to show us and allow us to have greater dependence upon God. And when we're in those parched times, God hasn't turned His face. God is there, but God wants you to have absolute dependence upon who He is. And this is where David is. And this is how David is responding. So in Getty, that we're going to be looking at this morning, is a very real story in a very real place. And it is very similar to our desert. You know, if, if you've had opportunities to, to go out into the canyons and explore places in those canyons, those places are very much like the land of Israel. And I want you to know that uh, if God has sent you to the desert for a period of time, I want you to know that God has not abandoned you. God is not hiding his face from you. God does marvelous things in the desert. And it's in the desert that God wants you to give him praise. To glorify him. Not wait till you he changes your environment. He may never change your environment, friend. But I want you to know that God's here and God has a word for you. And when, as we live in the desert, it's very much like En Gedi. Now what does En Gedi mean? En Gedi means spring of the goats. Okay? This was a location that goats knew where to come. And they were pretty smart animals. And so they knew going to Engedi that they were going to be refreshed. And so David's on the run from, from Saul and he finds himself in this barren desert. He's been anointed king. He's been a faithful servant of God. He's ministered to Saul. And yet, David is running in fear of his life. And he finds himself in this barren place where there's no water. Church, David is no different from you and I. You know, we, we, we like to put these uh, men of the Bible on this, this spiritual pedestal and uh, think that there's something different about them. No? David is just like me and he's just like you. 
And he's living in an environment that we live in. And from David's perspective, it doesn't make any sense. Why is this happening to him? I mean, he's been faithful. He's killed Goliath. He's served the king. He could have manipulated circumstances to become king. But no, he's waiting for God's timing. But he's responding differently. Why is he responding differently? Because he's choosing to believe God. He could have had a pity party. He could have had a whining session and decided, woe is me. But no, David chooses to trust God. He believes God and his word. Now, how much of God's word did David have? I want you to think about this for a moment. All he had was the law. All he had was the Pentateuch. All he had were the words of Moses, the first five books of the Bible. And, and Moses, and the events that happened in Moses' life, They're as far removed from David as David is as far removed from our life. But David knew what happened to Moses and God's people. David knew he believed that God had parted the Red Sea. David believed that God had provided water out of a rock. David believed and knew that God led the children of Israel through the wilderness by a pillar of fire by night. He kept them warm, protected in those cold winter deserts. And And a pillar of cloud by day. In that parched desert region, that cloud was shade to the people of Israel. And there were a multitude of other things that David believed that God did for Moses and Israel. And just as that God had done it for Moses, David believed that God was going to do it for him. And here David is in this wilderness running for his life and God leads David to Engedi. A place where there is a spring of water that comes out of nowhere. And it is going to quench David's thirst. And so as David is looking at his life and all of his problems up to this point, you know, God wasn't his problem. David knew that God was the provider. And David believed that God was going to lead David to Engedi and provide water from a rock. 
Because he knows from Genesis chapter 1 that God can create something out of nothing. Folks, if you have a hard time with Genesis chapter 1, you're going to have a hard time with the Christian life and trusting God. David knew that God was the God of the impossible. When there's no way out, God provides a way. When life seems hopeless, God gives hope. And a lot of, a lot of times we don't experience what David experienced because we don't trust God. We try to bring circumstances under our control. And church, God wants to keep us at a point of dependence on Him and help us to know and understand that He can do it. And so the bottom line of Engedi in 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 29 is this. God, Jesus, is our Engedi. Let me give you a picture of uh, what Engedi looks, what 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 um, God led David to when he got to Engedi. Can we bring up that picture? This is what Engedi looks like, and this is in the middle of barrenness. And folks, if you will go up into the canyons of the southern Sierras on this side, the eastern Sierras. Out of nowhere, God will provide, you'll find uh, uh, springs bubbling up in locations. And this is what God did for David and his uh, servants while he was running from Saul. And that's just not, that's just not a location. This isn't in the Bible just to remind them, that's a good little Bible story. There's a spiritual truth here, church. God wants to be your oasis. God wants to be your ingeti, your your spring of living water. If you'll just depend on Him, you'll trust Him. That's what we as God's people are to glean this morning. There's a metaphor for God in the Bible. Um, The metaphor is water. It's a picture of who God wants to be in our life. Look at Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 13. It's in your handout this morning. The Bible says, O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away from you will be written in the dust because they have forsaken the Lord, the spring of living water. Look what Jesus says about himself in John chapter 4. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him 
will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Jesus shared those words with the woman at the well. Um, This woman at the well um, had been looking to relationships with men to quench her thirst. I believe she was married six times. And the and the man that she was currently living with was not her husband. And Jesus knew all these things about, about her. She never had to say a word. And Jesus knew that this woman was trying to quench her thirst, her spiritual thirst in areas that would never satisfy, would only destroy her life. And Jesus says, I am the water. I am the thirst quencher. I am the person that you are looking for. Look at John chapter 7, 37 and 38. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow will flow from within him. Jesus came to be that way of escape. Jesus came to provide hope when there was no hope. Jesus came to show the way when there was no way. Jesus came to provide when there was no provision. So if you're here this morning and you are in a dry and thirsty land, land, no matter what your desert might be this morning, God wants to be your Engedi. Jesus is your answer this morning. What's the application? The application of this. If we're thirsty, we need to go to Engedi. But what's the problem? Often the problem is that we turn to the wrong places and look to the wrong things, don't we? And there's a lot of things this world has to offer that want to convince us that it can quench our thirst. What are some signs of thirst in our life? Losing faith is a sign of thirst. You know, you trusted God at one point, but uh, your faith is weak. It's failing you. Uh, circumstances where they seem bigger than God, that's a sign of thirst. Losing strength when everything seems to be working against you is a sign of thirst. You lose your joy when circumstances are bad. You're thinking of yourself and what's not happening in your life rather than thinking of the needs of others. A sign of thirst is 
when we lose our integrity, we lose our passion. Or a sign of losing our thirst is when the pull of what I want is greater than the person, the one I need. And I just want you to know, church, that as I was preparing this message, God was speaking volumes to me. And I can't, I can't hide as I stand before you this morning. What's been a sign that I've been thirsty? Food. I can't hide this. You know, and every time I turn to food, I think, well, this will make me feel better. <laughs> but for a moment, and then I gotta put those pants on. Or I gotta put that shirt on. I know I'm going the wrong direction. And so I'm being transparent with you this morning. I want Jesus to quench my thirst. And I've made a decision this week that I make, need to make some changes about my eating habits and, and uh, do a little bit more exercising and trusting God more rather than what's in the cabinet. The world wants to say that it has what we need. And it's a lie of the enemy. I want to show you another picture of Engedi. Because uh, uh, <clears throat> this is looking at the Dead Sea uh, from Engedi. And, uh, you know, this, this would be a very similar scene if there was water in Owens Lake. You know, if you were to go up into the, the canyons of the Sierras above Owens Lake, you could, you could find a spring and you could look back over the lake bed and you would think to yourself, oh, that is so inviting. I want to go there. And in fact, a lot of people go to the Dead Sea. There's, there's, that, that is a tourist destination. There's lots of hotels. There's lots of restaurants. Uh, people love to play and stay along the shores of the Dead Sea. But the Dead Sea, my friend, is a lie. Because if you were try to try to drink the water of the Dead Sea, you would die. It's salt water. You know what? Owens Lake is a dry saltwater lake. And that would have been the same scenario uh, had that, that lake still existed today. But that's a picture, that's a picture of what's happening in our world today. You know, the world, what it has to offer seems so inviting. But it just brings us to a point of death, ultimately. Now the goats, they're smart. 
they don't go to the Dead Sea. Where do they go? To Engedi. And that's why Engedi means spring of the goats. Church, we need to be like the goats. Israel had the streams of living water. Israel knew who God was, what God could do. They had the stories of Moses. In fact, those who were following Moses in the wilderness saw what God did. But they still complained. They still rejected him. And what happened way back then happens through today. And when we reject him, what is the result? We're always thirsty. Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 13 says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Whatever we long for other than God, church, it will always leave us thirsty as if we are drinking salt water. And I know some of you might be here this morning and you're thinking to yourself, well, if things were just different in my life, if I had different kids, or if I had a different spouse, or if I had a different house, or a different job, or a different city, if I, if I just had more money in the bank, or if there was a mall closer that I could go and shop, shop at, if I just lived someplace with more trees outside of Ridgecrest, folks, your environment can change. But none of those things will quench your thirst. Only God. Only God can be our Engedi. And we need to turn to Engedi and not the, Red, the Dead Sea. So what's the answer? The answer is we need to go to the right places and look to the right things. And that first place is God himself. God wants you to long for him. That's what David was doing. Even before he came upon Engedi, David was trusting God. David was giving glory to God. David was trusting that God would lead him to that spring of living water. And that's what God wants us to do in our difficulty. Look at Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Psalm 63.1. O God, 
You are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Can you see David writing that in the desert? For many of us, we can relate to that because we live in the desert. God wants us to turn to him. Not only are we to turn to him, but we are to turn to God's word. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Now, my friend, when it comes to the Word of God, we aren't to treat the Word of God like it's a cistern, okay? That we're just to uh, take marathon moments and spend with God and think that that's going to help us to survive through one, two, three weeks in between. No, God's Word isn't like a cistern where we're to store it up. God's word is like manna in the desert. And we need his word daily. We need to be coming to him daily, trusting him to quench our thirst. That is what the word of God is to be to us. And then the third right thing that we should turn to is God's people, the church. Folks, we need church every single week. Not once every other week or third week or once a month. We need to be with God's people every single week. And we need to be in relationship with others particularly in these days. Because church, living the Christian life is going to become more and more difficult. God's going to purify His church. And it's going to, be, it's going to come through persecution. We're not part of the majority. We're the minority. And we need each other. We need God. We need His Word. And we need the body of Christ. Hebrews 10 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as we see the day approaching. These are the things that we need to be turning to. And who's our greatest example? Our greatest example is Jesus. The creator of heavens and earth clothed himself. God clothed himself in flesh. 
And he learned to be dependent on his heavenly father. And he was always drinking from him, getting alone with God, hanging out with people, with God's people. There was a a mother at our Monday night uh, dinner that we have for the community. Oh, by the way, um, this last Monday night, we had another person pray to receive Christ at our Monday night dinner. Amen? Yes. God is good. God is working in that ministry. I, I have an opportunity where we take prayer requests. And uh, and one of the mothers uh, said, pray for my son. Uh, he's back in college. And so we prayed for him at the end of uh, the, our time together. And then she uh, told me, you know, what kind of college she was he was uh, she was referring to it's not like Syracuse no it was jail god had sent her son back to the school of hard knocks to uh, just remind him of where he can quench his thirst he's she said he's made a decision for jesus christ and uh, he'll make right choices but for some reason, when he comes back to Ridgecrest, he gets alongside his old friends and he gets back on that wrong road once again. And uh, so God had to send him back to college. Folks, it's really important that we find the right kind of friends. Because God's word says, bad company corrupts good morals. Do you have a community of believers who can encourage you to be turning to and remaining focused on the right things? Jesus is our greatest example. Look at Mark one thirty-five. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. If Jesus needed that, how much more do you and I? Look at Mark chapter 6. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that, had, all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Jesus and his disciples got alone to be with each other, to rest. I want to encourage the men of our church. Men, October 22 through 24, there's going to be a men's retreat. You need that time with other men where you can just get away and allow God to encourage you and to have relationships with other guys for a period of time. Garen Harris is going to be our speaker that weekend, and I want to encourage you to make that a priority over those three days. So what's the application of this message? For some of you, the first step is allowing God to become your Engedi. 
I don't know why you're in this service this morning. I don't know why God has led you to Ridgecrest. I don't know why you're in the desert right now. But God does. And God has orchestrated circumstances in your life for you to trust Him. For Him to tell you that He and He alone is the provider, the thirst quencher of your life. And for you to experience God, for you to experience God as the living water, the thirst quencher of your life, you've got to receive Him into your heart. You have to believe what God has already done for you through the person of Jesus Christ. Do you know that Jesus died for your sin? That three days later, he didn't stay dead. He came up out of that grave. He died on that cross. He suffered the punishment for the sins that I've done. That you've done. We've all done. Jesus died in your place. And the Bible says that if we'll just believe what Jesus has done for us, that he died and that he rose from the grave, and if we confess that with our lips and with our heart, the Bible says we become a child of God. And there are people here this morning who have never taken that step. And for you, that's the first step. And so I want us to bow. And I want us to pray. I'm going to lead us in prayer. And this morning, you know that you need that relationship with God. That you need to allow Him to become your Lord and Savior. He is Lord and Savior. Nothing's going to change that but you've got to allow it personally in your heart and life. And if that's the cry of your heart this morning, you pray this prayer right where you're at. Father God, thank you for speaking to me this morning. You know my circumstances. You know my fear. You know where I have been turning and it hasn't been working. And I'm at a dead end. Jesus, I'm asking you to save me. To come into my life. To forgive me for not believing you. Trying to live life my own way. This morning, Lord Jesus, I give my life to you. Thank you for dying on that cross for me. Thank you for coming back to life. for hearing my prayer. 
Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. My friend, if you made that decision this morning, in just a few moments, we're going to sing a song. We're going to have elders in the dining hall who would love to pray with you this morning and just encourage you and you tell them about that commitment that you've made. There's a connection card in the pocket in front of you. We would love for you to communicate with us this morning that you've prayed that prayer of commitment. If you don't have a Bible as you leave this morning in the Connection Center, uh, we have Bibles and they're free and you can take one home and begin to turn to his word and allow God to speak to your heart. You've taken the right step. And for the rest of us this morning, what's your next step? You've got to apply his word. You know, there's some here this morning thinking to yourself, you're, you're going to come to me after the service and say, Pastor, that was a good word this morning. But you're not going to do one thing about it. God wants us to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. God wants me to turn from food and to turn to him. And you know, I've been here a long time. And you know that this has been a lifelong struggle for me. You've watched me swell and you've watched me shrink. Would you pray that I shrink and stay shrunk? But choose Him and trusting Him and Him filling me over what food can never do. We need to apply his truth to our lives. And secondly, as Jesus has quenched our thirst, we need to share that answer with others. Church, Emmanuel Baptist Church needs to be an oasis in the desert. Jesus is our only hope. Jesus has the words of life. And we need to be telling others who are going through dry and thirsty places. One of the ways you can share with others is maybe you know somebody who's in this very spot right now. And they need to hear truth. Would you just point them to our website and they can listen to their this message? God wants to be their Engedi. God wants to be our Engedi. And as he is, this will be a place of living water. Because Jesus, Jesus is our Engedi. Jesus is our river. So we're going to stand.
for our time of invitation. If you need someone to pray with you this morning, I want you to just feel the freedom to exit where you're at and go pray with those in the dining hall. But let's all stand and worship and sing this song, How Deep the Father's Love for Us.